Welcome to Dream Chasers Radio, where we are always daring to be different. Get ready, get ready, get ready to be inspired. Let's get moving toward our goals. And here to make that happen is our host, Yaya Diamond. Uh, we are daring to be different once again. Here we are, Dream Chasers Radio, with me, your host, Yaya Diamond. And I am broadcasting live on our Facebook page. That is Dream Chasers Radio on Facebook. So if you are uh, tuning in, we have a wonderful guest on the show. But let me go ahead and get rid of the preliminaries. You're looking, you're listening and looking at us at the same time. You're looking at us Radio on Facebook, as well as listening to us on WKDW 97.5 FM, Real Community Radio in Northport, Florida, as well as Bomb Baby Radio in New York City. And now the new show that we have down in the Caribbean, uh, the Caribbean Community Radio. So we'll be broadcasting on that station every Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time in all of Caribbean. So Jamaica, hello, Nassau, Bar- uh, Barbados. All the islands, yes, hello. So I'm excited about that. Um, And so, wow, and also on the Dream Chasers Radio Network, uh, which we'll be filling up on programming real soon, and that's WYDCradio.com. Again, that's WYDCradio.com. Right now, I don't all I have is all the music that people have sent me in, I just have it circulating and circulating, and we're going to have some really cool shows up and running really soon. All right, so let's go ahead and get to our guest today. I want to welcome to the show Jonathan Sheffield. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Yaya, and thanks for uh, having me on your show today. Uh, it is a pleasure. It's a pleasure. So tell everybody what you do. Okay. Uh, well, for the last two years, I have actually created a new genre in Christian apologetics, which is actually a defense of how we got the books of the New Testament. And what I've done Ooh. differently uh, from other apologists that are out there is I decided to bring down the conversation in a way that can help explain the major issues in this debate uh, to the audience is to put them in a fun, creative way by creating cartoon animations, which really helps explain uh, the major issues in this debate. Oh, my gosh. So, so okay, wait. <laughs> you got to explain how you came about that. Uh, well, you know, I was <laughs> looking online. I was, uh, I was actually impressed with a lot of apologists uh, Christian apologists that were out there, but I noticed most of the forums that uh, they were actually displaying the content was either mm-hmm. a live person feed into their uh, work study room with a bunch of books behind them, and I found even though it was interesting content, it was very hard to sit there for 45, 50 minutes and actually get anything meaningful out of it because after a while you start getting bored just looking at someone talking uh, from their office. So I thought what would be more fun and what could a modern audience help relate to, but why not put them in cartoon animations, whether you're a little kid, whether you're an older adult, we can all actually understand and be impressed by cartoon animations. I absolutely love cartoons. Okay, too. I love cartoons. I love it. And so, okay, so you actually talked about one of my favorite cartoons ever, The Emperor Has No Clothes. Yeah, I love. so it, it, yeah, it's, it's actually pretty interesting because if we look at what's been happening over the last 200 years is that there's been two major theories that have emerged which attack the reliability of the New Testament. First, as promoted by Dr. Ehrman, that the New Testament Gospels were not actually written by the disciples of Jesus. So there's an attack out there which attacks the eyewitness testimony of the Gospels. The second Mm -hmm. uh, 
uh, theory that's emerged is that the text of the New Testament, which has come down to us today, is not the same text that was originally published uh, to the historical churches. So modern scholars uh, such as Daniel Wallace, uh, James White, who are evangelical believing Christians, say the Mm -hmm. New Testament actually evolved over a period of time where scriptures such as the last 12 verses of Mark, the woman in adultery, Father forgive them, and all these other verses were actually added to the text over time. So there's large portions of the New Testament that was not originally written down, but actually was added to the text later in history. My goodness. Wow. And and, and so the whole idea... Go ahead. Oh, so, so the whole idea of the emperor has no clothes is what these scholars are actually promoting with my mm-hmm. videos, I'm exposing that they really have no clothes from what they're saying. Wow. Wow. Now, okay, so you're exposing the whole thing. It's just like boom, I mean, you know, bang. So you do have a the debate video up, and you also have your YouTube channel. Tell us about the debate video. How did that come about? Okay. So after I had produced several videos against uh, Dr. Airman, James White, and Daniel Wallace, I thought, hey, how do I get their attention? I have them out on YouTube on my site, uh, which can mm-hmm. be found at Jonathan Sheffield under YouTube. Um, and I thought, okay, the best way to get Dr. Ehrman's attention is why not I sign up on his blog? And I figure he does have a, a private blog out there that you can sign up and enroll for a membership. So I went out mm-hmm. there and I thought, if you want to get the attention of a bully, what do you do? You go to the school playground and you start calling the bully out, knowing that uh, people are going to start saying, hey, he's talking about the bully. Um, you need to address this. So uh, the first place I went on his public blog was to his members forum, where his fans and his audience talks about a lot of different issues that he talks about. So I went on there and posted uh, one of my videos, which defends uh, the passages of Scripture, such as uh, the woman in adultery in John's Gospel, And I posted an Mm -hmm. open challenge to Dr. Ehrman uh, for Mm -hmm. all his fans to see. So after actually getting to speak with his fan base uh, over a couple of days, Dr. Ehrman was kind enough to actually send me a personal email and ask Mm -hmm. me to move my open challenge over to his private blog. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Now, let me ask you a question because I know we have a limited time. Uh, but let me ask you this question. Having that kind of uh, courage, I would say, courage to actually call people out, um, was that something that you had already or is that something that you have developed over time with uh, just kind of living life and learning and, and going through? Well, I actually grew up in Brooklyn, New York, so um, um, we have really tough over there we're very outspoken uh, growing up in New York and the other part of it is just understanding your subject matter Uh, because Dr. Ehrman is a published author uh, he is credentialed in the field um, you know I I didn't start off uh, challenging him right off the bat on his blog I had developed five videos already I had really studied the issue So by the time I uh, went to his blog, I already had a really good understanding on the issue. And I I did have a strategy going in there on areas that I knew he was going to have a very tough time to defend. And what what I've done with the video, uh, because our conversation uh, lasted from July 31st, 2017 through October 29th, 2017, is I have recreated the entire debate in my own cartoon style. 
And wow. uh, the video that uh, we have today, I've actually used uh, a matrix theme to help introduce um, our meeting together before the debate begins. Wow, wow. Now, you know, um, as we close this, what kind of advice do you give to people, you know, that want to uh, or have found something that may be questionable? What What do you tell them? Well, uh, you know, the first thing that they uh, have to be wary of is uh, whenever they're talking about, well, you know, these authors didn't write this, um, you know, these scriptures weren't originally part of the Bible, they need to think to themselves first, you know, how did all these scriptures get throughout the all these independent churches that, have, uh, that still exist today? And secondly, who are the mm-hmm. ones doing it? Uh, because scholars like Dr. Ehrman and James White continue to tell us all these people were changing the Bible, uh, they were adding these portions of Scripture, you know, and as any concerned citizen would say, well, who were the ones doing it? Please show us right. in history, I mean, because we're, we're talking about real life, not make-believe, please right. document where this occurred, who was involved mm-hmm. in the process, and why didn't anyone ever notice that this was actually happening. Hmm. Well, and where can people reach you? I know that you have uh, literature out. You have your um, your uh, your best-selling author uh, for the de facto debate. Um, so tell me, where can people reach you? I know I already put your debate video up, and I already uh, posted your YouTube channel. Uh, so where else can we reach you? Well, that is the best uh, place to reach me on my YouTube channel. Um, as you can see from my comment sections, I do engage with, uh, with comments on a daily basis. So as information does come over to me, so all they have to do is go to YouTube, search Jonathan Sheffield, and as soon as the page comes up, it will say um, how we got the books, uh, how we got the text of the New Testament, a real pretty banner up there, and I do have on my about screen a little more about the videos, and they can mm-hmm. contact me by email as well from there. Awesome, awesome. Well, Jonathan, I want to thank you for being on the show. I want to thank you for bringing a new uh, a, a new perspective to the New Testament. I also want to thank you for doing your research and uh, and you know blowing things out of the water, as they say. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for having me, Yaya. All right. I think we're uh, we're losing Jonathan, but thank you again, Jonathan, so much. Thank you so much. Have a good night. You too. All right. That was Jonathan Sheffield, and uh, we are going to go ahead and go on with our show today. We have so many wonderful guests on this show today, and give me a second. I'm going to go ahead and refresh the page, make sure we have everything we need. And we're going to go ahead and pick up where we left off with this show. And we're going to have one of, I think, one of the most inspirational women I have I've known uh, on, you know, as far as where it comes to, uh, when it comes to um, just being, uh, how would I say, inspirational, motivational, and I want to uh, go ahead and welcome Bethany to the show. Girlfriend, welcome to the show, Beth. It is so funny how when we have, you know, being a podcaster, being a radio show, being a radio show host, sometimes things get stuck. Give me a second. Beth, are you there? I know she's there. I can see the I can see the phone. So we're waiting for this to connect. And once this connects, Beth will be on the line.
beautiful, gorgeous, and we wait. <laughs> so while we're waiting for Beth to get on the line and uh, see if I can pick up the, the, the call here. Definitely giving me a challenge today. I know you're there, Beth. Hi. <laughs> Beth, I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna go ahead and see if I can bring you no, I'm gonna bring you guys I'm gonna bring you on. It's 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 circling around and around. And I know you're there, but the circle keeps going. So give me a minute, okay? <laughs> yeah, this is gonna be interesting today. There you go, Beth. Hi. Hi. Hey. Can you hear me? I can hear you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I got disconnected the first time, so maybe it had to reconnect yeah. or something. Yeah, definitely. I saw that. I saw that the call dropped when his call dropped. So, Beth, I want you to tell everybody about your journey because your journey is so inspirational. I mean, I know I don't have a lot of time, but I definitely want to get – your story and, and what you've done, because to me that is just amazing. Well, I'll try to keep it as short as possible. Um, in 2014, I was diagnosed with a very rare aggressive cancer, and they pretty much gave me uh, about a year to live. They didn't specifically say that, but with uh, chemo and radiation, they said I could possibly live three to four years. And I refused all that, and I just decided to go outside of the box, um, and I worked on all natural healing for myself and put a lot of faith in God and just really turned to God and all of the natural things and um, was able to heal myself at that time. Um, It has you know, came back in 2016, and I healed it again. Um, so it's been a journey on and off through this process, but one of the main things that I learned through the whole thing, you and I talked about that the other day, is the mm-hmm. biggest takeaway for me was that you have to heal your mind, body, and spirit. And in the first two years, I was just strictly focusing on healing my body. And you can't do that. Um you know, last night you had a great show. You were talking about some things and, and getting your mind right, and that's so true for anything in life, and I needed to get my mind right for healing also and just getting rid of a lot of the junk that was in my my old thought process and, and everything. So that's kind oh, of a quick yeah. version of it. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> I know, I know. You know, uh, there are a lot of people out there, that are dealing with this, um, you know, the big C, I would say, cancer. Um, what was the first thing that you decided to do, uh, you know, as, as a person who was given no options at all? Right. Um, and I really wasn't given any options with this type of cancer. Even with them telling me I could do chemo or radiation, there was no expectancy of living past the three to four years. You know, they were just doing it to try to give me a little bit more time. Um, so what I first thing I did, I got home from the hospital after the diagnosis, and I had had a little bit of history in, in health food and that, so I knew um, where I needed to start. And I just threw out all my junk food, cleaned out the cupboards, and said, you know what, I got to get serious about my health. And I started mm-hmm. juicing it. First of all, in the hospital, I wouldn't even touch the hospital food when they told me I had cancer. I wouldn't touch it. And my husband brought in fruit for me, and I just, you know, started right there while I was in the hospital. And wow. uh, major, major, yeah, major juicing and detoxing were the first things I did when I got home. Um, we just really had to cleanse the body of all the years of, of toxicity that was in there and the juice fasting and the cleaning the liver and all of that, you know, the first step in what I did. Right, right. That really now, made a big okay. difference. 
Yeah, I, I totally agree that that makes a huge difference in everybody's life, not just if you have cancer, but if in everybody's life. But what I want to ask you is you had such a rare cancer, something that you had no options, and even the options weren't really a good, great options at all. Um, tell me what you did ultimately. Was it like a clear shot, like you knew exactly what you needed to do, or did you have trial and error? Oh, I had a lot of trial and error. Um, I did a lot of research. I spoke to doctors all over the country, um, holistic doctors. I even considered going to Mexico at one point um, when I wasn't doing so well. Uh, the tumor just continued to grow um, in, in 2016, and it got to the size of a large melon. And I was just reaching out to everybody and, and trying to learn, and I really – was hitting a brick wall every time because they had not had any um, dealings with this type of cancer. And it's about one in 5 million people that are diagnosed with it. So they couldn't give me any hope or statistics that they've, you know, been able to help anybody with it. So I just really dove in, researched everything I could on PubMed uh, website and different um, cancer websites. Um, like cancertutor.com, and learned as much as I could. I mean, it was like a full-time job for me to learn everything I could about it. And what I realize now, as part of the process that I was going through, I was actually increasing the size of the tumor myself because of the protocols that I was doing. And I learned that mm. cancer, when it dies, can actually swell up to about seven times its natural its you know, swell up seven times its size. And I fully believe that's what it was doing because once it hit a certain point, then it started shrinking quite quickly and got back down to the size of a small walnut um, from the size of a large melon. So in, in wow. the cancer during that time, yeah, during that time I had a scan that showed that the glucose uptake in it was very minimal. So it was not an active cancer, so that there also, you know, solidified in my mind that I was killing the cancer, and that swelling oh. was all part of it because the activity was wasn't really there. Oh so. my goodness! Wow! Yeah, Beth, that <laughs> so is amazing. So let, me ask, let me ask you a question. Knowing a lot of things about health, knowing a lot of things about uh, cancer. Even even the worst type of cancer, the incurable quote unquote type of cancer, uh, by doctors' knowledge, uh, what do you suggest people do on a routine basis? Even if they don't have cancer, what would be the one thing that you would tell them uh, to do with their body? Well, I think number one is to begin to eat healthier. Um, you know, let alone detoxing the body, just to begin to eat healthier. If you look around at Americans today, the diets that we eat are so unhealthy. And they say when you go into grocery stores, shop the outside aisles, eat more produce, eat more fruits, eat more mm -hmm. live, fresh, whole foods, um, definitely whole foods-based. And just to maintain a positive attitude, I think that's one of the biggest things that helped me to get through this is just being positive. And that can benefit, you know, any area of your life, whether you're trying to lose weight or uh, heal cancer, et cetera, and maintaining that positive attitude. And I never felt um, that I was supposed to die. You know, I did not mm. feel that. I stayed positive, and I just believed that I was meant to continue to live, and I, I put my trust in God. Uh, and the first two years, I didn't put as much trust in him as I should have, and I finally hit rock bottom with that tumor increasing, and, and I gave it all over to him, and I said, God, my, my life is in your hands. Help me, you know, to understand this even more. And when I did that, that has made a huge difference the past two years of my life. Wow. So, and it's been wow. four years. It's been four years now. So I've I've, I've yeah. definitely beat the doctor's expectations. That's amazing. Amazing. Now, Beth, let me ask you one question. You're you're writing your book now, right? I'm going to start. Yes. <laughs> You've encouraged me to do that. 
Um, I've got a lot of ideas, and I am going to begin doing that. Yes, absolutely. Good, because that's something that you have to do. Um, I think you'll help yes. millions and millions of people. Uh, and not only that, you'll be an inspiration to those uh, who come after you with maybe the same kind of cancer with no hope. Um, right. So we're looking out for the book, and Dream Chasers Radio will help you publish your book. That's awesome. It's been on my heart for like 12 years, even before the cancer. You know, it, it's something I really want to do. Right. And so we're going to help you do that. And our listeners, if you guys are listening, um, when Beth gets her book ready, we're going to go ahead and help her with some avenues on publishing. So if you have any ideas out there uh, about her publishing her book, go ahead and go to our page and comment. And she'll see the comments because she's right on our page. That's Miss Beth Ross. She's commented underneath this uh, this episode here on um, changing your life, getting things in order. Beth, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I really appreciated it. I told you it wasn't going to be that bad. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't. I was a little nervous. It's the first time I've done this, and it wasn't bad at all. But you're Lucky you're so Daniel. easy to talk to. That's why. Oh, thank you very much. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing your book. I'm looking forward to helping you with putting out your book. Dream Chasers does not want any revenue from your book, okay? So we just want to help you get that out there, Okay. Awesome. Well, maybe I'll find a good uh, source to benefit some of the profits from the book, too. You know, pay. I believe in paying it forward, so. Definitely, definitely. We always have to pay it forward. Thank you so much, Beth. Thank you. Have a great night. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. That was Beth Ross. Thank you, Beth. Hey. Thank you. See, you see my face. Now you know who I am. So when I come, you know who I am. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> All right. So we have our next guest on the line. I am excited because my next guest is uh, is, is a writer. And, I mean, you know, it's just it's amazing to me that we have so many talented people all around the country who can help with all different kinds of things. So I love love stories, and I'm going to welcome my next guest. Please tell everybody who you are, please. Hi, this is Nikki Gann, and I am the author of Incognito Love. Nikki, girlfriend, I love, love, love the cover, the cover of your book. Well, thank you. So tell us how you got started and what, what how, I mean, you know, being a writer and everything, what, 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 what influenced you? Oh, well, several years ago, many, many years ago, um, in the summer of 2005, I was employed as a visiting professor at Loyola University in New Orleans when Hurricane Katrina devastated the city. At that time, I started chronicling events I had witnessed in the aftermath of the disaster. While Mm -hmm. I had written and published academic articles because I was an educator, I had never written with the intention of telling a story. Well, once I started telling a story, I enjoyed the exhilarating nature of the literature, and from that experience, I decided to publish a book of fiction. Now, the year after Katrina, I returned to Houston and continued writing about Katrina events, but by that time, I was divorced and no longer a career educator. The first day of the rest of my life, I decided to visit a dating website. And that's when I decided that I wanted to write a tantalizing romance novel peppered with vignettes of contemporary machination. Go with the, oh, that sounds great. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, so what's the central message of the story then? Okay, so the central message is to be prepared for the love of your life. If the love of your life walked through the door tomorrow, would you be ready? Would you be ready in mind, body, and spirit? Are you in the best health you could be? Are you comfortable speaking to a stranger on a multitude of topics? 
Are you the type of person you would like to meet? In incognito love, the romantic couple had a lot of work to do. She had a secret that could very well railroad the relationship. And he was trying to fix his life, so to speak, so that he did not have to reveal his past. So the true love was threatened by blatant deception, and it was questionable whether the relationship could survive the summer. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. This, this is interesting. You stopped talking, and I wanted to hear more. <laughs> <laughs> well, you want me to tell you what you want me to tell you a little bit about the book? Yes, I, I'm already interested. I mean, if you said to okay. me today, everybody would have to just move away from Facebook. If you just have to be off the I will do that. I will do that. <laughs> so, okay. incognito love is really two love stories into rolled into one, and I wrote it to expose the challenges that. Couples might encounter when they step out of their comfort zone to meet new people and to reveal how two families reacted to the challenges. Allow me to explain. First, of course, we have the erotic love story about a couple who met on the dating website in the summer of 2017. The setting for the story is Houston, Texas, and its surrounding area. There was a time when most relationships were between people who came from the same neighborhood or the city, or they went to school together, or church, or they were introduced by a mutual friend, or they worked together. Even before the date, there was a certain degree of familiarity with each other. But today's protocol can be entirely different. Time was when family wanted information about a loved one's acquaintances. They usually asked, who are your people? which was a polite way of saying, what's your history? Well, now individuals enter, enter relationships at a later age and date people they have no connection to. Even dating strangers we meet on the Internet. Well, such encounters can open up a unique set of challenges when we become involved with people whose history we have absolutely no knowledge of. There can be differences in religion, politics, culture, education, family history, and all the things that impact relationships. So when there's nobody to verify who's your people, how far do we want to go to find out? Now, there's a second love story, and that's a love story of familiar love, family. And the other purpose of incognito love was to demonstrate the unconditional love between two sisters, where forgiveness and loyalty are potent ingredients for maintaining their good relationship. Anita and Nicole are sisters with entirely different personalities. One is strong-willed, who believes she knows what's best for her sister, and the other was wounded after bad relationships and is more reserved and less confident than her sister she so admires as a role model. So when one sister is a target of betrayal, how far should her sister go to come to her help? And what type of support should she provide? Emotional, financial? Should she give her her time? And what if all of that is not enough? What more should a sister do? And how much of herself should she be willing to give? That's what the story is about. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, you know, you got me here. All these questions, this is amazing. It's like my mind floats, and I'm in the book. I'm in the book. I'm there. Okay. Okay. That's where we want you to be. <laughs> Let me ask you a question. With everything that you've done with this book, and I know this is on Entourage, but with everything that you've done in this book, how did you come about getting these characters so original? So, I mean, I mean, they're so like, 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 were you in the book too? Ah, well, the book is a little bit of fiction, 
a little okay. bit of exaggeration, a little bit of exaggeration, and uh-huh. then a whole lot of stuff, and a whole lot of stuff that that I made up. So <laughs> there are some familiar characters. Um, okay. But it is, but it is a book of fiction. It is a book of fiction. Mm. And I did, I get, I did get a lot of my research from having visiting, from having visited um, dating websites. I talked to I talked to my friends who had also visited dating websites. Um, so it is based on consulting with other people, um, mm-hmm. some ex, some ex, some you know experiences. So, like I said, there's fiction, there's exaggeration, uh, and there's a whole lot of imagination that mm-hmm. went into the creation of this book. And, I mean, you know, I know I, I can't keep you on forever, but what kind of challenges did you have writing this book? Because, I mean, you know, you got fiction, you got imagination, and then you got dating websites, and then you got family. I mean, you got everything. Every aspect of whatever, whatever complication may even occur, you have it. <laughs> <laughs> well, first and foremost, I had no idea of the monumental task I was about to undertake. Time in time was the first is the first requirement for writing. Mhm. There never seemed to be enough of it. And then I had to work out how I was going to handle the criticism. Mm. Once the editing process began. That was that was a tremendous concern. And let there be no doubt during the editing process there's more criticism that you might be able to handle. Finally, once I was well on my way, I discovered that I had to be, exercise a little flexibility in my thought process. Maybe mm-hmm. a character would not act the way I had planned once the storyline began to develop. So I found myself writing and rewriting and starting over more times than I wanted to admit. And then there were parts of the book that were not written in chronological chronological order. In the beginning, I intended to write a short story, but once okay. I started writing the short, the short story left so much unsaid. I fell in love with my characters, and I wanted them to have their say, so I just kept on writing. Mm. Mm. I love it because you said it's not in chronological order, but you you finally put it in order. So you got that in you got all that in order, and so now where is your book available? Well, all my book is available on Amazon in both Kindle and um, paperback format. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. I love it. I do have your link up on our webpage as well as on our uh, Dream Chasers Radio and also our Facebook page where we are broadcasting live uh, right now. You know, being that you were, I mean, you had so many different things. Talk about the role of the active woman on that cover. I love the cover, by the way. <laughs> where did you get the woman on the cover? Who is she? Well, she's really nobody. She's just a woman behind a mask. Um, Nola was her dating website name, and she was she's the woman who's looking for love on the Internet. And she is quick to judge and falls into the trap of categorizing people by stereotype, both good mm-hmm. and bad. Um, as we sometimes do, she brings her preconceived perceptions of members of the opposite sex into her relationship. Mm-hmm. And her attitudes, which are based on previous experiences, became the reality of her new romance and justifications for her own shortcomings. When she mm-hmm. claimed she wanted to break the cycle of bad relationships, once she settled on a gentleman, she was convinced he was just another smooth talker. So in her mind, ah, what the hell? Someone would soon be over, and so would this relationship. So she didn't have high hopes for the affair at all. Wow. Wow. Now, you know, I have to say this. 
with everything that you're telling me from the beginning to now, your imagination is amazing. Amazing. <laughs> where do you get the ideas? Where where do you get the motivation to write a book like this? Ah, well, like I said, visiting dating websites really did give me motivation and talking with some of my girlfriends and talking with some of my guy friends, some of their experiences. For example, um, let's take the other half of the couple. He is as judgmental as she is. And neither party had expectations for a long-lasting relationship. So they both hid behind masks of lies and deception. Now, if you're familiar with James Baldwin, this should be a little familiar to you because he had a saying that love takes off masks that we fear we cannot, we cannot live without and know we cannot live within. And the question is, can this smooth-talking Casanova maintain the atten- attention of a sophisticated businesswoman? My love for Baldwin and some of the things he left us with is another motivating factor for writing this particular novel. Um, I spoke with a lot of guys. I, I tried to, because I am not, because I am a woman, uh, you might mm-hmm. ask the question, how was I able to speak for the, the man in, in this novel? And I talked to men about their pet peeves. I listened to what they said, and I observed what they did. And I spoke to family, friends, friends of friends about their experiences with the opposite sex to understand men's love and sometimes fear of women. And the words attributed to men in the dialogue are their words, Mm -hmm. not mine. So this also gave me motivation when, when to hear men express their feelings this gave me motivation to put some of their words in writing as well. Wow. You know, you gave me chills. <laughs> you do. You gave me chills. Because you have definitely taken the, I mean, you know, when I was young, I used to go ahead and grab my, you know, a book. Just I used to read books all the time. I was the geek. And I would get on my bike and I would ride to the beach and I would sit on the rock I take out my book and I read my book while the sun set. Mm. And it was like as if it was like if, if I was there, I was in the book. That was me. I was the person in that book. And you brought me back just by telling me what you're do what you've written, what what you know, all the characters, everything. You've taken me back to the rock on the beach while the sun set. I'm not lying. Well, since you mentioned the beach and the sunset, uh oh, I have a passage that might be of interest to you. I think it just might be. You just don't have to read it then because I, I, don't, I don't know what to say. Okay, so let me paint this picture for you. So this couple is going on a date. It's about their third date. They're driving from Houston down to Galveston, Texas. So this is a passage as they approach the beach. Okay, you ready? I'm ready. Traveling along Interstate 45, Galveston is 50 miles southeast of downtown Houston. The island is 27 miles long and just three miles wide. In the first half of the 20th century, Galveston was one of the nation's busiest seaports and amongst its primary commodities were gambling and prostitution. Friends of Big Mama told stories handed down by their elders of life back then. Times had changed, and so had Galveston. Amusement parks and medical centers had replaced houses of prostitution and gambling clubs. But signs of bygone days still lingered. As we entered the city, Beautiful Victorian homes with magnificent verandas lined Broadway Avenue 
which serve as a divider for the city, Galveston Bay to the left and the Gulf of Mexico to the right. Big Mama's house was on the bay side, and if you drove the length of the island, you would end up at the ferry, which took you out of Galveston to Port Bolivar. Memories of earlier days crossed my mind. Industrial vessels docked in the bay provided reassurance of a vibrant economy. But as a child, I found the Gulf side to be a mythical wonderland. While the seawalls served as protection against erosion and hurricanes, there was a charm to the infinite gulf beyond the wall. People walked, fished, and rode along the seawall. It was a favorite spot for family outings as well as for lovers, and understandably so. The gulf stimulated your senses from the smell of salt water to the sound of waves hitting the shore. If you stayed on the beach long enough, you would taste the salt in the back of your throat. Today, the world's longest murals, paintings of Gulf wildlife, adorn the seawall. I wanted to share this experience with Anita. Okay. You are an amazing writer. And I, I don't Thank know if you. people realize. No, hey, you're an amazing writer. There's, I mean, I don't know if most people will understand what you've just done. Is you have painted the exact picture of what a person would physically see in words. When did you figure out you could do this? <laughs> well. Well, I'm still going through that process. It's just you try, and you try again, and you try some more, and you keep working at it. And I think you're already there. I don't think you're going through. I think you're done. I think you're there. <laughs> well, we, well we are, there's always room for improvement. So uh, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Um, but like I say, I, I will always keep trying. And you know what? What a beautiful picture you have painted in my head. I don't think I think if I go to Galveston, it better look like that. <laughs> it will. Believe me, it will. I've taken that ride many times. <laughs> oh my gosh! Because I mean, you know, now I have the picture in my head. It's got to look exactly the way you said it looks. With the Gulf of the Mexico one, and the beautiful. It's got to look that way. Because if it does, I'm gonna be very disappointed. It does. My gosh, me. It does. Now, writing is something that you ha- have have taken on in your life. If someone were to say that they wanted to be a writer, what kind of advice would you give them? Write. 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 Try to write every day. Um, don't be afraid to write. Sometimes uh, fear of failing can hold us back. Hmm. Write, share your writings. We have so many avenues to advance our talent in in this time and day in which we live that we should take advantage of every avenue we have. Write about mm-hmm. things that you're familiar with. I started my writing as an educator writing academic articles. Mm-hmm. And From there, I built a confidence in writing. So if you think you love to write, go on and write that book. Write write that book. Write write about your passion. Write about your experiences. Just just write. Just do it. That that would be my advice to anyone. Don't let anyone hold you back, and don't be afraid. Wow. Wow. Well, Nikki, I want to thank you for being on the show. I want to thank you for doing what you do, and I definitely want to thank you for painting a beautiful picture in my head. And I don't know if anybody else is looking right now, but if they were listening, I would definitely say that Galveston is a place that is now, uh, you know, a place to go. (laughs) I think wow, what a picture you painted. Thank you again so much for being on the show. Um, and, and again, your book is on Amazon. All I have to do is go ahead, and how would they get to the Amazon um, the Amazon page to purchase your book again? Well, they can go to Amazon.com, 
and then they would do a search for Incognito Love by Nikki Gann, or they can go to my website, incognito.love, and you can, you can have, there's a direct link to Amazon from the website, incognito.love, www.incognito.love. Ooh, sweet. I like it. <laughs> I like it a lot, and I'm going to go ahead and put that up on our page, uh, incognito.love. will take you straight to where you need to go to purchase the book. Thank you again so much, Nikki, for being on the show. I appreciate it and definitely admire your talent that you have. My goodness. Wow. Thank you very wow. much. Thank you for having me. And it's such a pleasure. Thank you. And you and you come back. When you get another book, you're going to have to come back and, and describe it to me again because the way you describe I love it. And just I'm working other, on the I, prequel. I, 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 yes. 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 <laughs> well, thank you so much again, Nikki, for being on the show. And we uh, we hope nothing but the best for you, okay? Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right. All right. Good night. That's our show for tonight, but placing things in order is something that we all have to do. Um, I think it's very important that we get it done. Uh, And like Nikki said, she had it all out of order in the beginning, but then she put it back in order. Um, My gosh, what a wonderful show tonight. Getting yourself in order doesn't always mean that it's going to come in order, but we have to get it in order. And that's our show for tonight. I want to thank you for tuning in to Dream Chasers Radio. It's been a wonderful uh, a wonderful show. I'm going to go ahead and continue to get myself in order. As you can see, if you go back in the video, you'll see me trying to walk in my office. Not happening. I got a lot of work to do tonight. But until next time, which is going to be Thursday, uh, we're starting the show a little early. I believe we start the show on Thursday at 7 p.m. So this Thursday at 7 p.m., we're going to have a few guests on the show, and you know how it goes. We're going to be doing our thing on Thursday night, so um, I'm not really sure what the name of the show is Thursday, but go ahead and go on our page on uh, blogtalkradio.com forward slash dreamchasersradio, or you can just go ahead and go to dreamchasersradio.com and see where we go and, you know, what the broadcast is going to be like uh, and what the name of the show is going to be. I come up with these things, and let me tell you something, a lot of times I don't even know what is going to be talked about, and it is and exactly what I can't point. That's right. Yeah. So I'm excited about it. I'm excited about being on the Caribbean Community Radio, all in the Caribbean, as well as excited about broadcasting on 97.5 FM, Real Community Radio in Northport, Florida, as well as the Bomb Baby Radio Network and the Dream Chasers Radio Network all over the world. <laughs> Until next time, guys. I'll see you later. And what you, what do you, what, 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 what? Did I say it? I said, don't forget to what? Dare to be different, baby. Bye.